Father, thank you for this day, for all of your love and blessings. Thank you for fathers everywhere and for teaching us your word, for, for those you brought here today and for all those who will hear this message, Lord. We just ask that your word take root in their heart and grow up and bear fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Heard a story about a father who had five kids and he came home one day with a new toy. And he he called all the kids around him and he asked, which, uh, which one of you should get the present, you know? They all were like, me, 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 me. And he said, well, let's see. He said, Who, who's the most obedient one here? Who never talks back to mom and always does everything that mom asks him to do? They all looked around at each other for a few seconds and then at the same time they said, Dad, you play with the toy. <laughs> I like this poem here. We don't know who wrote it. It said, God took the strength of a mountain, the majesty of a tree, the warmth of a summer sun, the calm of a quiet sea, the generous soul of nature, the comforting arm of night, the wisdom of the ages, the power of the eagle's flight, the joy of a morning in spring, the faith of a mustard seed, the patience of eternity, the depth of a family need. Then God combined these qualities when there was nothing more to add. He knew his masterpiece was complete, and so he called it Dad. Today I'm going to read... about a familiar story uh, from Luke chapter 15 verse 11 through 32 and Jesus told this parable he said there was a man who had two sons the younger of them said to his father father Give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that even the pigs ate, and no one one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread to eat? But I perish here with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. 
and he felt compassion. And he ran and he embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he, as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who was, has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. You know, this is this is one of those days of the year that just brings all sorts of thoughts to mind and people to mind and emotions. And I can only go by my own story as a father and it's not a good one. Most of my life I lived apart from God and I made lots of mistakes. And even though God has changed me and, and made me into the man He wanted me to be, sometimes you still suffer the consequences of things that have been done in the past and trust has to be earned. And sometimes it's Impossible even seemingly to restore the things that are lost. But with God there's always hope. Amen. Amen. The answer is always with God. I think of another man. A man that's sitting here in this room. Last year. In this past week actually. Last year. John was baptized by me I can't tell you what an impression that has made on me because I think of a man who loves he loves God he loved his wife and children and he wanted to do the right thing and we didn't have much of a baptismal there if any of you remember and the one that we got was too small and so 
Tavana and I drove around the day before, that evening before, and we found a, a pool that you could use in a hurry. And as it turns out, it wasn't holding water right either. It t- took a lot longer to fill up than we expected. And by the time we were ready for it after service, there was only six to eight inches of water in that, that pool. And it looked like a, a foolish thing, to be honest with you. I'll never forget it in all my life. Because even those who really call themselves his friends didn't take the time to even come out. I remember that. But I was there and I was so honored and so amazed and so blessed to see this man humble himself in that way. Could have just called it off and said, Pastor, let's do it when we have a better setting and a better source, you know. But no, he got down there on that ground with me. And I guarantee you that was a beautiful thing in God's eyes. And his children will never forget that. His wife will never forget that. And his God will never forget that. That's a good father right there. I think of our Father in heaven in 1 John 3, 1. He says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, all of us who have received Him, that we should be called the children of God. I never forget when I had the revelation of God as my Father who loved me and wasn't out to get me for all the things that I deserved, but instead He just... He was just the father in the prodigal story, watching and waiting for me to come to him and ran to me and embraced me and kissed me and put the robe of righteousness on me that I didn't deserve and the the ring of authority and the feet on my shoes and the shoes on my feet in his presence, even though when I'm with him, it's always holy ground. We have a Father who loves us in heaven. No matter what our earthly fathers are like, good, bad, and different, frankly, I don't know who mine was. But it doesn't matter anymore. Our earthly parents bring us to life in this world, and that's the only thing they really have to do. This whole life is based on an opportunity for us to choose God for himself and come into the family of God as his children. And thankfully, that's what everyone here has done. And so now for all eternity, you have a father who is perfect. all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving and providing. Just as he loved that prodigal son, he also loved that self-righteous son. And they they both need his love and help because that sinful son who had come to the end of himself and was home again, was done with all that. But the one who thought he was good all the while really needed as much help as the sinful son. 
Because that sin that was inside of him would keep him out of a good relationship with that father too. But he loved them both. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And in Acts chapter 10, Peter, in verse 34 and 35, Peter says, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Remember that? But in every nation, he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So that's the third point. He wants to save all people. He's a good father. He loves us. He loves the good and the bad. And he loves everybody, the whole world. He wants to save everyone. 1 Timothy 2.4 says that God desires all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants to forgive the sinner and the self-righteous. In Romans 3.22 and 24 And this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no distinction. No distinction. The playing field is level at the foot of the cross. Isn't that wonderful? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all who choose Him are justified freely by His grace. Through the redemption that is found only in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And not only does He want to save everyone and love everyone, but He's called us to love with the love that He first loved us. We're called to do the same, aren't we? You don't see much of that these days. But God doesn't change. And he's, he's no respecter of persons. He, he's the same with everybody. But he didn't change his mind either. The last time God changed anything was not his mind. It was just the dispensation of time and the way in which he deals with people now because we've entered into the church age of grace and truth. Thank God the law is behind us. Isn't that what it says in Titus? That... The grace of God that brings salvation to all men has appeared to all men. But not all men are saved. Because it requires a choice. A positive response to the grace of God by faith. So we're to love with the love which He first loved us. So he, He's our example. Isn't that what that's saying? And by grace, He provides the power and the ability to do just that. To love everyone. But it takes practice, doesn't it? It does take practice. That's why Peter says to grow in love. To grow in love. Does that mean that God will give us more and more love as we go along? No. It's, it's already inside us. It's an abiding fruit of the Spirit in our, in our born-again spirit. But to get it out into this carnal, fleshy realm, this, this soulish realm, this mind, will, and emotions, 
We have to practice it. We have to continue to draw from the well until it just becomes natural as we're becoming more and more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Second Peter, the first chapter, starting at the beginning, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, we've all received the same measure of faith, by the righteousness of God, our Father, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, there's an exciting thing. And then it tells you how it's multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's a past tense. It's already done deal. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, the grace of God, which is already established, He has provided for each one of His children all things that pertain to life, this life, and godliness. How to live a godly life and to be a godly person who He has recreated you to be. That's who you are now. Through the knowledge of Him, there it is again, who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us Here is something else, another promise. He has granted to us precious and very great promises. So that through them, through what? The promises, and where are those found? In His Word. Through the promises, through them, you may be partakers of the divine nature, just like Jesus having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement or add to your faith. Without faith, we're nowhere. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? That's why Jesus said, when I return, will I even find faith? Because that's a requirement. It's necessary to be a partaker of the promises of God because you have to... You have to put your faith to draw on the grace of God that's already been provided. And you can't do that by looking around at what you see and hear on TV and from the doctor and from your bank account. You have to believe what God says. Take these promises and stand on them in faith until you see it come to pass. That's how you become partaker of these great and precious promises. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through the sinful time. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement or add to your faith virtue. Uh oh. And virtue with knowledge. Get to know him. Find out about your Lord and Savior and add to knowledge self control. We know that's another abiding fruit of the Spirit. That's something we can draw on just like the love of God. When people say, I can't help it, that's not true if you're a Christian. If you're truly born again, you can help it. You might have to prove it to yourself by drawing, by faith, on those those fruit of the Spirit that are already abiding in you. But it's amazing when we make up our mind that we're going to believe God instead of what we feel or what we're thinking. Because He 
will always come to the rescue in, in just the nick of time if you'll continue to stand and trust Him. And to self-control, steadfastness. And to steadfastness, godliness. And godliness add to that brotherly affection. And to brotherly affection, love. Without love, you're just a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal, right? Verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing. In other words, you're practicing. Think of it as a physical body and a muscle that you're working out. You start with a little, maybe, maybe nothing. It depends how far, how far gone you are. But sometimes just air, you know, just get in the range of motion again. Huh? You just get the range of motion again. And then you add a five pound weight to that. You know, and it might take you a week to get past the soreness and then you bump it up to 10 and pretty soon your body is hungering for that. And it's just adding on and adding on and it, and it doesn't feel right unless you do work that muscle out. It's getting strong and healthy. And that's, that's the same comparison. He said that, that's, that's how you can do your physical, I mean, your, your spiritual life just get, like you can your physical it's just unseen, but it, the effects are greater than the physical. Paul said physical exercise is some good, but spiritual is good for everything. Everything. <clears throat> for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's the, there's the goal. It's always about Jesus. He's, he's, his whole goal of saying all that was, obviously it's good for you, but he's saying the more important thing is it's good for Jesus. It's good for your witness as a child of God, as a redeemed spirit of God, as a brother of Jesus Christ who wants to... I know when I mess up and, or if I, I blow it, you know, the, 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 I run straight to him and I'm like, Lord, I just because I don't want to let him down. And the last thing I want to do is be a stumbling block to someone who is just looking for a reason anyway to say, yeah, look at those Christians. Where was I? Oh. And listen to this, verse 9, then I'm done in this part, but it says, for whoever lacks these qualities, he's, he's asking us to, to layer them on and add to this, this, and this redeeming quality to this one, and finally love, and, and he says, for if you have done this, you won't be ineffective or unfruitful in your relationship with the Lord and in your witness for Him and in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say this, though, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted, that he's blind. He has forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. In other words, <clears throat> your old man is dead. That old nature has been evicted from your life. Crucified with Christ. He's put a redeemed spirit in you. Perfected and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And filled you with all the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control of God. And here you are walking around like that old man still. That's what Peter's saying here. How nearsighted can you be? Have you forgotten what's happened? 
You might look like that same person when you look in the mirror, but you're not. So quit acting like it. Now, you're way more akin to Jesus than you are to the devil. And you need to start acting like it now. That's what he's saying to us. He said, if, you, if you're not doing these things and adding these things, then, you've, then you're, just, you're blind. because You've forgotten what, what, what God did for you. And you're still acting like you didn't do anything. That's what he's saying. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Amen. Amen. There's a great promise. Grace and truth. You know, the grace of God is a beautiful, wonderful, providing thing. Forgiveness and acceptance and love. But it also provides all those other things I just mentioned. It provides. It, in Titus 2, 11, 12, it says, The grace of God that appears, uh, that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to live godly lives. The grace of God teaches us to live godly lives in this unholy age. You know, people have gotten to where they take the grace of God, which is a beautiful thing, and they attribute it to everything, though. And that's just a lie. They've been having that same troubles for 2,000 years, people trying to get away with that, and it just doesn't work. But Muslims, homosexuals, the self-righteous, the sinner, the greedy, the sexually immoral, those who hold unforgiveness and live unholy lives, as long as there's life in their body, there's hope with God. We're not one of those religions that hates people for their sins or crimes. We, we pray for them and we hope for their salvation. And that's what our Father wants. He's good. We would never kill someone or lock them up for their immorality, unless it's a danger to our society, which, of course, we have to do that sometimes. But that's not our way to, to kill people for being uh, outside of the will of God or to, or to treat them terribly. No, we love them. And that's a misconception about Christians, you see. And it shouldn't be that way. And somebody has to begin speaking up. For Christians say, no, you don't understand. It's a spiritual thing that we're aware of that you're not. We hate sin because we love the sinner, just like Jesus. And we know that that sin opens a door for the devil and his demons to come into their lives and he will harm them. He wants to kill them and keep them separate from God. But we love them. We love them. And everything then do to others as you would have them do to you. Isn't that what Jesus taught us? For this is the essence of the law and the prophets. In other words, the whole Old Testament, you wrap it up in one single scripture. And that's it. What Jesus said, which we refer to as the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So much of our society is saying do unto others as they do to you. And that's wrong, wrong, wrong. It says, he said, if, if we're good only to those who are good to us. What difference is there in you and, and somebody who doesn't even believe in God? The world does that. They take care of their own. We're supposed to be different. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. 
But small is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And these are Jesus' words. And only a few, only a few find it. The story of the prodigal son, like I said, is it's much about this... The, 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 the prodigal son who went away and came home, the sinner they would refer to. As, it's as much about the self-righteous son as it is about him. See, sin can be an action or an attitude. An action or an attitude, okay, for with the prodigal son who went away and spent all the money and did it's obvious. He was just he was just out there, you know. So his were his actions. The other son who was stayed home and never did anything wrong, his heart was dirty. His attitude was wrong. He didn't understand that he had everything that his father had. He had everything when he had his father and that he didn't have to do all those things that he said he always had done good things to earn his father's love. His father loved him anyway, and he needed to just learn to rest in that. But today's focus, since it's Father's Day, of course, is really the long-suffering and loving father. Amen. It's a picture of our Father in heaven. As I said before, He's the, the same as Jesus. Jesus said, If you've seen my Father, me, you've seen my Father. And He's with us always in the person of the Holy Spirit. So we don't need to think of our Father as some old man who's angry, sitting up there with a lightning bolt waiting to get us. He's not. He's just not that way. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. And we know that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's no respecter of persons. He loves us all and wants us all to know him better. That's the meaning of eternal life as he defined it in John seventeen three That we know him, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom he sent. That's it. This intimate relationship that I always talk about. There's about 25,000 words recorded in the Bible that Jesus spoke. Many of them were talking about his father in heaven. He taught about the father some 180 times that were recorded. John said if all the things he did were recorded, we couldn't sustain them in all the books. But God loves us. I have a few scriptures here. Made me think of his love. Matthew 6, 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than they? So there goes our worrying about how we're going to provide If we just put our trust in God, he says, he's got you covered right there. There's a promise. The provision is in the promises. If we put our faith in them. 
What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he's happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Matthew 18. And Luke 6. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High God. Because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. And here's one that I, I spend hours on the phone every week with somebody or somebody's trying to get it across. Do not be afraid, Jesus said. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me, Jesus said. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. There's eternity handled for you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. John 16, 27. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me, Jesus said. So there goes you trying to earn the love and respect of God, the Father. Jesus said, no, the Father loves you because you love me and have believed that I came from Him. That's what earns you God's favor. That's why He has your picture on His mantle. That's why He loves you so much, because you chose Jesus. You believed that He is who He says He is. And can do what he says he can do. And you've trusted your eternal life with him. Why now won't you trust this life with him? He's asking all the time. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. By which we call out Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That's Romans 8, 15 and 16. And Matthew 7, 9, 11, 9 through 11. <laughs> Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if his son asks ask you for a fish, if your son asks you for a fish, would you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Oh, let that one sink in. If you think, just think of how much you love your own kids and how you would just wish you could just do everything for them if it was in your means, and to think that you love them more than your Father in heaven loves you. That's wrong. I love it when that prodigal son, son, he said, when he had come to his senses, he said, I'll set out and go back to my father. That was a wise move. And you know, 
There wasn't an angry father waiting at home for him. He didn't say, well, I'll let you in on these conditions or no, you're not welcome here anymore. He was watching for him, wasn't he? And he ran to him. And he didn't bother to hear the whole story the son had concocted in his mind. He just lavished him with love and, and everything. <coughs> and that's how he feels about us. And I'll finish here today by just reminding you of something else. That Jesus also taught about a bad father. <coughs> the devil. And he is still very much alive and active. And even though he cloaks himself and conceals himself and pretends to be a good guy sometimes. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 8. He says, you're of the, your father the devil. He was talking to, you know, he was talking to. He wasn't talking to people who came to him sorry that they had been caught up in sin. No, he was talking to the religious hypocrites, just like that older son that was at home. And Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil. You and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer talking about Satan from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. If you're born again, if you've truly yielded your life and made Jesus Christ not only your Savior, Savior but your Lord, it means He's allowed to interfere and intervene and tell you what to do and, and guide you with His teachings, then your Father is God in heaven. And He loves you. You're not like those, those men Jesus was talking to when he said that their father was the devil. Those were people who were not saved. They didn't believe on him. We were like them, but now we're not anymore. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Father, we pray and thank you again today. We pray for fathers everywhere. I pray that all of us will, if we have fathers, that we'll honor them. Something that is in short supply these days, Lord. And that those who are fathers will be honored and be a blessing. Just as Jesus is the perfect example of this, I pray those that are fathers that they will humble themselves and recognize their need and total dependence on you, Father God. In order to be the father and the godly man that you created them to be. And for everyone, I just pray, Lord, that we grow closer to you. That we put our total trust and confidence in you, knowing that you love us and care for us. And I, I pray that. We'll begin to seek you, Father, and to grow in the grace and knowledge and to add all of the things, the godly characteristics that you ask us to practice, that we will begin to take this seriously and take it seriously that the promises you have written in your book are for us. 
and that we will begin to draw upon these promises and stand in faith, believing you above the world, and that we will love our brothers and sisters in Christ with a special love, and that we will continue to love the entire world, hoping that their ultimate decision will be for you, God, for your Son, Jesus Christ, knowing that you are the only way to eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.